We don't grow alone. We flourish when we do life together. To flourish means to grow or develop in a healthy way, especially as a result of a particularly favorable environment. Join me for conversations about growth and change as we talk about what it means to flourish and create the community you crave. You're listening to the Flourish Together podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Worley. This is episode 59, Reclaimed Ministry with Stephanie Borsma. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Flourish Together podcast. I'm excited to share this interview with you guys today. This interview was recorded last fall, and I'm just now able to share it with you guys. And so I wanted to make a couple of notes at the top of the episode before we get into the episode. There is a slight audio glitch in the episode where the the audio is dragging, but just hang in there with me. There's just a couple seconds of this, and then it's on to the rest of this really awesome interview with Stephanie, uh, where she talks about marriage and the work that God has done in their marriage and her ministry that came from that time and that season in her marriage. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and um, share it with a friend. No problem. My coffee, I'm good. It's like quiet here, no kids. It's perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Yes. Stephanie, I would love for you to tell the listeners a little bit about your ministry and kind of your guys' testimony or your testimony as much or as little of your story as you'd love to share. Yeah. So about reclaimed ministry, this really was birthed out of my very um like the, just the, the heart cry, the pit, the nightmare of our marriage. And it was never something that I walked into and was like, Oh, okay. My husband just confessed to, you know, infidelity. I think I want to start up a ministry. Like nobody ever thinks that that way, you know, God uses the mess to turn into his message. And it took two years after my husband's confession to finally realize that this is what God was calling me into. And so that's really the birthing point of reclaimed ministry. Um, from there, we started small groups in our church. Um, and I was challenged to write my own curriculum because at that, at that time, 10 years ago, there was really not, not a lot to go off of to lead a small group into this type of healing. And so I wrote something and been leading groups ever since that then led to writing the 30 day personal journey. And so that in a nutshell, that's reclaimed ministry. That's kind of how it started. But, um, to go back to the beginning, it really started at year seven in our marriage. And that was when my husband came home and just blindsided me with a confession, a 10 year pornography addiction, which led to multiple affairs. And I had no reason to be investigator prior to that. I had no, um, I really had no warning signs. There was no red flags. There was no alarms. There was nothing that I could have picked up to be like, oh, I think my husband is cheating on me. There was none of that. Um, so this really was a blindside confession and mm. it, uh, it destroyed me like it would any bride. Uh, it really did destroy me. I was crushed. I was, um, 
you know, the, those tears that you just cannot control. My face, I think, was double in size from being swollen from all the tears that I shed. Um, and I, I couldn't turn them off. I mean, they, I cried for weeks. I cried for months. And I think the reason why um, is when you love somebody so much, when you share day, uh, our marriage died. And so I had to go through this grieving process of grieving our marriage and grieving the dreams we had together, grieving the hopes I had to, you know, grieve the, the intimate moments that we share together. And even more so than that, I think it was like our kids, right? Like it's one thing if you go through betrayal and you just have yourself, it's just husband and wife. But when you've got kids in the mix, it becomes so much more complicated. And so I'm looking at our two kids at the time and I'm grieving over what they may end up losing. I didn't know divorce was an option right away. So, so much confusion, so much grief, so much emotions. Um, and of course that depression followed after that. So yeah, it was a real ugly time, seven years, you know, it was kind of comical in a way. They always say, oh, the seven-year itch. Yeah. Um, it was like months after my husband's, husband's confession, our toaster died, our crock pot died, our coffee pot died. <laughs> and I'm like, enough of this seven-year business. <laughs> like, Just go and buy everything new and start from scratch because it was all falling apart in year seven of our marriage. <laughs> You're like, I don't need any more things to break. No, <laughs> no. So how did the Lord work during that time and kind of pull you out of where you were at, the depression that you were in, and how did he start to restore what was broken? What did that look like for you personally? What did that look like for you and your husband together? Good question. You know, honestly, God met me in his confession. God never left my side. My husband and I both born and raised in Christian homes, a small Christian community. Um, our families are, you know, generational, you know, Christians, right? Like it's generations of, of believers. Um, we were never without Jesus. I don't know a life without Jesus. So in that moment, um, I, I didn't have the thought of where are you, God? Um, obviously, I was mad at God for putting me through this because at that time, that was my perspective. That was mm -hmm. my feeling. But I did not feel like God had exited my pain. He didn't leave me in that moment. In fact, it was one of those moments where the Holy Spirit is just so impressed on you that um, I looked out her window as my husband's weeping and telling me all this filth. And I looked out our back window and I just felt like it is well, right. And the Holy spirit just whispering to my soul, my spirit just, it is well. Um, and I sat there with just the silent tears and I clung to those words that it, the rest of the night, you know, that, that evening I went to our pastor's house. My pastor said, you need space. Um, and I, I wasn't able to ask my husband to leave. I wasn't strong enough for that. So my pastor came to our house and our pastor mm -hmm. was the one that kicked Tim out of our home. And again, God was with me in that moment when I came home to an empty house. Um, God was with me that night when I tried washing off the shame and the filth and 
just the disgust of all, every detail that Tim had shared with me. God was in that moment. Um, he used people. He used worship music. He used creation to show his presence to me. Um, I had mentors. I had go-to people that were with me 24-7. Uh, if, I needed, if I needed help, I had a lot of help there. Uh, even though a lot of people didn't know her story, they didn't know what was going on. Um, my go-to people were with me at all times and they were sharing the worship music. They were sharing the scripture verses. And so I was never without God in this journey. Um, if anything, God was the only one that had not betrayed me. And so I clung to him even more in those times. Um, now that was like in the immediate shock. If you were to look at the timeline and go months out, you know, that's where the depression, that's where I really battled the depression. I think because the shock wears off and then you really have to go, oh my goodness, I've got a lot of stuff to work on. And, you know, within those first few days, I had gotten stacks of books to read. You know, we're really good about buying the books, the self-help books. What do I need to do to fix this? I remember asking Tim that question, like, what do I need to do to fix this? How can I fix this? And he's like, this isn't for you to fix. This isn't your problem to fix. I'm like, nope, I need to find ways to fix this. How can I be better? And so I bought all the books. I listened to all the podcasts. I read the books, the, the devotions, the online resources. You know, I was doing everything I, I could to make it better. And yes, it helped, but it really was um, 10 days post-confession where God used Good Friday to kind of alter my perspective. And that's, that's the night that I spoke forgiveness to Tim. But it was also the day that I wrestled with God because I wanted his grace. I wanted his mercy and his gift that he gave us um, through the resurrection. But I did not want to give that to my husband. Like, God, I will accept your gift of dying on the cross, but I'm going to handpick who I get to forgive because mm. I want to give them a little punishment of my own. And I need to feel like it's justified. Like all of the hell on earth that I'm experiencing right now in this moment, I want to feel like it's justified. Therefore, I'm not going to forgive them quite yet, but can I just have your grace and your gift of the crucifixion? Can, can I just have that and not give it to him? Um, clearly God won that wrestle match <laughs> and, and it was quite interesting. I thought I would feel different after I said, I forgive you. And I didn't because that was the moment that God entered into that pain and started to work on me. And I realized that it wasn't by forgiving my husband. It wasn't so much that, Oh, now we can fix this broken marriage. No, it was God saying, Oh, you've released it to me. So now I'm going to work on you. I want to show you your character flaws. I want to show you your blind spots because I want to make you something so much greater. And that was my work. That was the, the, um, not really a project, but it was, that was the mindset that I took on was I can't fix any relationships that are horizontal. I can only keep my eyes on God and I got to keep it vertical. And right now that means that I have to work on me and make it even more messy you know, uncovering some of those ugly parts. We all have the ugly blind spots. We all have ugly characteristics about us, our own sin nature. And that's what I worked on. Um, but at the same time, my husband was working on himself. Mm -hmm. And the beauty was the two of us working on our own relationships and then bringing that together and making something so much stronger in our marriage. 
Um, it sounds really pretty, but it was really ugly. It was an ugly process and a long process. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think it's really key and important. And one of the values that I always want to have here at the podcast is I think there's so much power in sharing our stories and what God has done in our lives and how he's redeemed and restored. So thank you so much for sharing. Of course. So take me through just, we talked about your healing and your journey a little bit. How, I guess, far into did you feel like God was calling you to use your story and to develop a ministry out of it? Well, one thing you don't know about me is that I'm very stubborn. <laughs> I'm a very stubborn uh, person. And so I fought God on that for a long time. Um, we fought to keep our story really quiet. We kept our circle really small. We protected our story. Because we chose restoration, we didn't want to have a lot of opinions from everybody else. Because so often the opinion is once a cheater, always a cheater. Mm. And people don't want to do the hard, messy, ugly work of restoring a marriage because it's just that it's hard work. It takes time and it goes against everything society tells us to do. Right. And so we kept it really quiet outside of our, you know, counseling circles, mentor accountability circles. Um, not a lot, like even some of my husband's employees and we had a lot of family members that didn't know. So two years post confession, when our church approached us and said, Hey, we'd like to share your testimonies in church. <laughs> um, that's more than just a few people. That's more like 1500 people going online. Right. So it went from nobody to a whole lot of everybody in a small town. And there was a lot of fear in sharing that. But that was the moment that the ministry was born because the next day I had women contacting me, mm -hmm. asking me to meet up for coffee. Can I share my story with you? Can I just sit down and ask you a couple of questions about yours? And that's exactly what happened. I started meeting women on a weekly basis. I had women, um, somehow our church testimony got to the 700 club, um, and that's what kind of gave us the national platform is the 700 club came out and uh, they filmed our testimony. And then that went out to millions um, on, on TV. And so then I had women from across the country contacting me. This went on for probably a good year and a half. And then I, that's, you know, after that, that's when I, I built the curriculum, the small group curriculum. And I think I still fought God through that. You know, I was still embarrassed um, about having to have this story. I think I still fought God. Um, this is not my ministry. I didn't say I do. I didn't, um, you know, try to have the perfect marriage. I didn't go to school to become a ministry leader and, Oh God, I'm not good enough. Like my story is not enough. Like there's somebody else's story that's going to be far more impactful and greater, you know, for a kingdom purpose than my own. Um, you know, I can tell you all the lies that I was trying to give out as excuses and God kept on saying, no, I'm choosing you. Like, I want you to do this. I've created you to do this. And once you understand your spiritual giftings, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, my top gifts are encourager and, and mercy. 
Well, I love to sit down with women and to encourage them, even though it is chaotic and painful and, you know, their stories are just shattered into a million pieces. I love to speak hope into women. And so knowing that and seeing all of the past history, I see God has been working from childhood on for this very moment. And I think I've just now come to embrace it. And we're 11 years post-confession and I'm just now giving in to the battle <laughs> and accepting what God has called me to do. Um, but I don't see myself as a ministry leader. I'm just another sister in Christ who has a story and an experience. And God has given me the opportunity to share. And if, if this reaches one bride, if one bride is listening in right now and she's hearing similar, you know, key details uh, from my story that matches hers, and she feels like she's gotten hope out of this, then that's my purpose. You know, it's mm -hmm. worth it. It blesses one person, then it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Something that I kind of took away from what you just said is that um, when you and your husband chose the path of restoration, kind of wanting to quiet out the external noise, if you will, of people that maybe weren't going to be yep. supportive of that or maybe not even supportive is the word uh, you can tell me, um, but just quieting the rest of it so that you could work on your marriage. I heard a similar sentiment and this is why that jumped out at me from a friend of mine who has walked through a very similar situation. And I remember, um, I think as friends who we love our people you know, sometimes we, we want to know all the things and we want to help and, you know, talk through all the things. But what I'm learning um, through different conversations and through my friends who have experienced the betrayal in marriage is sometimes they need you to just be there and not ask all the questions and just be um, and not, you know, you could, you know, because we want to know why or where is this going or where are you at? And I really learned through my friend that that was really overwhelming to her. Can you, does that resonate with what you're saying? Absolutely. absolutely. You know, there was times where even just my husband and I, you know, I had to just the, just between the two of us, not even the outside voices and the outside mm -hmm. support wanting to know the details, just the two of us. I wanted to know the details. Um, but those details were way too heavy for me to carry alone. Um, that's not to say that I went out and shared all the details with everybody else, but there was times in my, in now speaking for myself, maybe not for my husband, but there was times in my recovery from just being shattered that I needed to ask him questions, but there was also the opposite where I needed to talk freely and just to talk out my feelings and have him listen. And that was a key piece to us healing was him being so transparent and so willing to answer my questions, to hear me out and to just sometimes sit there and to watch me sob and weep and be in the fetal position. And he would just hold me and he was like, how, do, how, can, how can I help you? And he would just be there. Yeah. Um, there was times where I would reach out to other, other friends um, my go-tos. I was not quick to share the details because nobody wants to say, hey, guess what? My marriage just failed. You know, we don't want to do that. We're too prideful. And so um, the go-to people, I would share with them how hard it is. But there's also the flip side of you don't want to burden people with your own pain because if you don't know what this feels like, 
the opposite ends, they can only give out enough advice. And then it kind of stops because, you know, I can't speak into somebody's life from, you know, if they lost a child, I've never lost a child. So I don't know what that feels like as a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, I had some friends who never experienced betrayal and infidelity in their marriage and they could only go so far with their advice because then it stopped simply because they didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I think, you know, the enemy plays with shame so often, right? The shame, the judgment, the guilt, and it's not just for the offending spouse. It's for the one that was betrayed. You know, I was embarrassed for what my husband did. Um, I was mortified for what he did because he, he shared with my parents, he shared with our family, our, our circle of counselors. That was embarrassing for me because the enemy tells me I'm not a good enough wife. I'm not a good enough mom. I wasn't sexy enough in the bedroom. Um, I'm not skinny enough, pretty enough. It goes on and on and on. And so nobody wants to just, you know, share that information with everybody. You want to keep that private because what our society does, what our world does is that gives us all things on TV, right? So in my mind, my husband had some Hollywood fantasy with these women and that wasn't reality. But so often that's the kind of advice that outside people will give you is they'll tell you, you know, well, you just, you weren't good enough. So that's, that's why your husband went elsewhere. Um, You need to go lose some weight and then your husband will want to stay home. Uh, You need to look a certain way. You need to be a certain way, be a certain thing for him so that you can keep your husband at home. And it's just not, it's not beneficial if you're choosing restoration, even if your marriage is going to fail in a divorce, um, it's not healthy. There's no benefits to those kind of outside negative opinions. It's only going to tear you down and pull you further away from God too. You know, if anything, you got to be hearing the voice of God. And if those outside voices are louder, God can't shout down to us loud enough. If all we listen to is the opinion of man. Mm, That's good. What would you say to, I mean, somebody like me who has friends that are going through this, how can you help your friend and be the community and the support that that you need to be as a friend um, for somebody who is facing a similar situation? You know, I think we kind of already touched on that a little bit as a friend, just to be there um, and to not offer up all the words. Mm. Uh, We don't need the advice. We just need people to be by our side. I needed my mentors to call me up um, sometimes every day and say, did you get your essentials done? You know, did you brush your teeth? Did you put a bra on? Did you put deodorant on (laughs) to do the basics? Um, I needed my friends to be there to bring me a hot meal because I didn't have the energy to cook dinner for my family. Mm. Uh, Send those Bible verses. It's not, it's, it's one thing to have the opinion of man. It's another to have the encouragement of the word of God. You cannot send enough scriptures. You cannot send enough worship songs. Those are all good things to be as a friend. Um, And then ask, ask your friends, what, what is it that you need me to be? How can I help you? I don't want to overstep. So what is it that you want me to, to be? And then just ask God, God, show me how to pray for my friends. Mm -hmm. Um, it's easy to say, I want to pray for her broken heart. Those are obvious, but ask God, can you show me how I need to pray for this person? That's good. Thank you for sharing that. 
I want to talk a little bit about your book and your curriculum. Can you talk a little bit about, is it 30 days, the, the book, or what does that look like? Yes. So, um, yes, Reclaimed, Finding Your Identity After Marital Betrayal. It's a 30-day journey. So you start out day one and you have a little bit of um, journal from either myself or from the women that I've mentored, um, just little bits of a story to, to just to connect to mm -hmm. that, you know, with the reader. From there, you've got your devotion for that day, the topic, and um, I share all the dirty secrets in this book. Let me tell you, there was a little bit of embarrassment when my mom picked up the book because <laughs> it's, it's out there. Everything is in there. Um, <laughs> and so you, you read through the devotion and, and in the end, you've got your reclaimed reflection. And that is the heart of this 30-day journey. It's it's so easy for us not to ask the hard questions. And it's so easy for us to point the finger at somebody else and to say, you need to answer this question. You need to work on this. Mm -hmm. But again, if our focus is vertical and if our posture is God, show me what I can do to become better. Even though this had nothing to do with me, this wasn't my fault, but since I'm here, can you, can you make me stronger? If that is our posture and approach, then the reflection is just going to grow you even deeper. Um, so usually it's the three questions. A lot of brides have invited their spouse into this, this part of the, of the journey. Mm. Um, great conversation starters. And so we do have a lot of couples that will do those three questions together. And, you know, so often you kind of grow um, used to one another right? Like a little bit of college roommates where your conversations start to just be like, oh, how was your day at work? Oh, this is what the kids did. And that's it. So you need those conversation prompts to kind of get that flow going. Um, and then there's a lot of reclaimed the, the scripture verses and a prayer at the end. And so that's the structure for 30 days, walks you through the heartbreak of a, of a you know, confession or discovery to the forgiveness, how to trust again, and all the way to the end where you're kind of going, okay, God, I got a new beginning. And that mm -hmm. may be with yourselves and it may be without. So that's the 30 day journey. And then we do have the 12 week curriculum guide, the small group guides. Um, those are vital for churches, right? For mm -hmm. the women's ministry, for the marriage ministries and churches to grab hold of and to have a group. Usually they're about five women strong. They're not meant to be in big groups. It's meant to be an intimate, confidential group where you just process a little bit more in depth and the rich conversation that's cultivated in these groups. You just can't, you can't script them. It's a beautiful thing watching these groups and being able to, on, you know, have the, have the honor of leading these groups myself. And we do have a lot of groups across the country. I would love to see a group in every church, um, but who knows what God's got in store for us. That's awesome. And I will leave links to your website and your book in the show notes. So anyone listening can go check out those resources and pass them along to whoever needs them. That's great. I would Pretty love all to information can be found at reclaimedministry.com. You can get the okay. book from there, the small group guide, you can see all the links to our social media accounts. So that's like the one go-to for the listeners. It's reclaimedministry.com. Awesome. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts just with the journey that God's brought you on, the redemption that he's done, the restoration that he's done in your marriage. What would you, what would be your like 
top tips for cultivating a healthy marriage that you would tell couples or a wife that's listening to this? I think it starts with prayer. You know, we had a prayer life before, um, but it was more of a, oh, hun, you need to pray tonight. It was a forced thing. And so many of us are box checkers. We just want to check the box that said, oh, we read this devotion. We prayed together. We went to church on Sunday. So we're a Christian couple. And I think hands down, it comes to your individual walk with Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of your life and your marriage for both husband and wife. From there, you've got a strong foundation as a married couple. Um, If you have not prayed together as a couple, it does not have to start with a 30-minute prayer. Just a couple sentences together every day, and you'll start to build that routine and that habit. For us now, it's every night. I feel like something's off. Like, I don't sleep right. I do not sleep well if we don't pray the night before. Um, So it's just kind of that peace in my soul, that thing that we just connect to at the end of the day. So prayer is definitely one of those things that I find is fundamental in a marriage. Um, I think the next one is, you know, communication is so key for any relationship with your kids, with your spouse, friends. Uh, We have such an open dialogue between the two of us. Um, Transparency has been, um, without a doubt, one of the the key components to getting us to this place now. Mm. Um, Being able to be so honest with each other and absolutely having no tolerance for secrecy. Um, There are no secrets whatsoever. It's all out there. We've got passwords. We've got everything. It's kind of a routine where we just swap phones at the end of the day. And not because I am plain investigator, but because it's just routine now. We just check it. And it's this accountability that we have with one another. So those, I would say, are the biggest things that have helped us get to this point. 11 years post-confession is prayer, our relationship with Jesus, and the communication Um, obviously there's so many other blessings that come from that, you know, the blessings of laughter and connection and unity and family and, you know, restored intimacy. A lot of couples, that's, that is a huge component to infidelity is, you know, how can, how can we be intimate again without you thinking of someone else or something else? And how can I be intimate with you without feeling like, you know, I've been betrayed all over again? So, um, God restoring our intimacy again, um, that's such a huge blessing. You know, someone was just asking us this question, you know, what's one of the greatest blessings that, that has come out of this. And I think it's the fact that my husband has had my back for all these years. You know, it's never just one thing in your life. It's never just, Oh God, I just have to process the betrayal and that's it. (laughs) Life is coming at us strong and fast and at all angles. And at the time when he confessed, my sister had been dealing with her breast cancer journey for two years at that point. My dad was just recovering from his bout with cancer. Uh, We had a salon that we had just recently sold. So I kind of had a shift in careers, you know, becoming a stay-at-home mom. Um, It's never just one thing. It's never just one thing. Um, and as the years progressed, my sister passed away. If, if we had not worked hard at restoring our relationship and if we had not put the time and the, the really hard, gruesome work into restoring our, our marriage, I wouldn't have had that rock when I was grieving mm-hmm. uh, the death of my sister. And this past year, I've gone through multiple surgeries 
And my husband has been hands down the most tender, gentle caretaker. And that's a blessing. If we had not worked, if we had not fight, we didn't fight for, for us. And if we had not put all those hours in to restore, um, I wouldn't have had him by my side. So there's so many blessings, even in, in, even in the hard, hard times. You know, one of the things I always tell the brides is find her two blessings, because if you can find two blessings in every day, it's going to shift your perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in the middle of a rainstorm, find the two blessings and you're going to start to see God in so many amazing ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that you said, um, find the two blessings. I went through, personally, I went through a battle of depression about 11 years ago. And Mm -hmm. I remember when I was walking through that season, I just, um, I really, I'm a journaler and I really felt the Lord speaking to me during that time. And I kept hearing him say just five things. And so I would force myself to journal and write and find five things in my day that were a blessing that were good that were positive in the midst of walking through a season of depression. And it was some days where I did not want to write five things, um, but (laughs) did it anyways, um, just to be faithful to what I felt the Lord was speaking to me. And it helped so much pull me out of that season um, and a lot of other things too, but that definitely was one of them. So I love that you said, you know, find the blessing that really resonates a lot with me. Well, and the fact that you journal that you can go back and look at all those blessings. So in a time of depression, uh, you know, a season of hardship coming up if there is, but when, when you're feeling really kind of down about, about life, you can go back to those journals and, you know, reflect on God's goodness. And man, the journals that I wrote, <laughs> I'm so glad I destroyed some of them. <laughs> I would never want anybody to stumble upon them. <laughs> But it's a reminder of what God has done. Mm-hmm, and I sure. think that's a key piece is, you know, when you are down in the valley, when you are trying to climb that mountain, you can't see the 360 view that God has prepared for you. And it's only until you get to the top that you can see how God worked to protect your journey, climbing that hill and all the way to the top. And sometimes that means you trip and fall. Sometimes that means there's relapses there's going to be triggers along the way, but in that moment, God continues to strengthen your steps and he gives you just enough oxygen for that moment to get to the very peak of that mountain. And when you get up there, it's glorious. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, that's true. All right, Stephanie, one of the questions that I always ask my guests during our time together is who or what is helping you flourish during the season that you're in currently? Well, like I said, I've had a year of surgeries. (laughs) Um, It's been a really challenging year where God is like, you know what? I need to protect your life. I need to protect your health. And in doing so, you're going to have to sit. And that means you have to sit still. And I've had physical restrictions where I can pretty much for the past year, I haven't been able to lay on my side. I haven't been able to uh, lift more than 10 pounds. And when you have four kids and we just moved, So when you're packing up a house and trying to do all the things, um, it's really hard to do it without people. And so, you know, you would give me this question. I was trying to think about like, what, what is one thing? And I'm like, maybe it's not a materialistic thing, 
it's people. It's my, it's my tribe that surrounds me. It's my community that has stood behind me as I recover and has been present and surprised me with dinners and childcare. And um, really it comes down to the people around me. And so it's not like a, you know, like the coffee I'm drinking, this has blessed me so much. No, it's not a coffee. It's not one meal. Uh, You know, with COVID, we haven't been able to be at church Mm -hmm. and I'm a worshiper. And that was the one thing that I mourned. The, the greatest thing I mourned through this whole COVID thing is not being able to have corporate worship and just to be around all the voices and just, you know, the Holy Spirit meeting us in those moments. And God has given me just the sweetest moments with my small group to be able to worship together. And um, that's so, that's, if there was anything that, that has filled me over these past few months, it's my, it's my people, my go-to people and those small, intimate moments of worship. I love worship. Carrie Joby's new song, The Blessing. Oh, I cry every time because <laughs> I'm just reminded over and over again of all the blessings that are coming and going and behind me and before me. And oh, so good. That song is just really, really blessed me. That's awesome. My small group and I, we were just talking about that song um, a couple weeks ago in our group. And um, now every time it comes on, we're all texting each other and, you know, letting each other know when we hear it. So I love that you uh, said that your community, your tribe of people is helping you flourish. Um, That's so important. I think it's just another testament to the fact that God created us to be in community and how important it is to cultivate community and have godly people around you for whatever this season that God has you in. Yeah, for sure. It's so important to have those people by your side and it's so lonely without them, (laughs) you know, and I think too, it's may not be like a physical person. Some of my best community members are states away from me, but they're Mm -hmm. present. They're actively present, sending me the Marco Polos and the text messages and videos and, you know, social media can, can be a trap for a lot of us, but for many of my followers, um, it's a source of encouragement and support. And so if you don't have community, look for reclaimed community, we would love to encourage you and support you in it. But that to say is you have to be in all angles of life, putting those things that are going to be allowing you to flourish. You know, God is calling us to thrive. He wants us to thrive in this life. He wants us to enjoy it. So you have to surround everything, every aspect of your life with those things that are going to be lifting you up and not tearing you down. And that includes social media. Yeah, absolutely. That's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We'll save that for next time. (laughs) Yes. All right, Stephanie, let the listeners know where they can connect with you online uh, and your social media. Yes. So we're on Instagram and Facebook, Reclaimed Ministry. Uh, you can check us out at reclaimedministry.com. Um, on Facebook, we've got a, just a sweet group of women, the Reclaimed Ministry community. This is a closed private community of women who have similar betrayal stories. So if you've experienced pornography or sex addictions in your marriage, emotional or physical affairs, uh, you just have to answer a couple of questions to request membership. And then once um, we've reviewed those answers, then we accept you into the community and 
You'll have online resources, access to Facebook Lives. Um, I have led the uh, reclaimed small groups in this community. So a lot of women will go back and rewatch them to feel like they're part of a, of a group. Mm -hmm. um, we're also on Pinterest and YouTube, but all those things can be found at reclaimedministry.com. Awesome. And like I said, I'll leave links to all this stuff in the show notes so everyone can find them. Yes. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me for this conversation, Stephanie. I so appreciate you taking the time to share. Yes. Thank you so much. And to all the brides listening, we are praying for you. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Flourish Together podcast. If you guys enjoyed this episode, go ahead and head on over to iTunes, click the little five stars and give us a rating and review. If you haven't yet rated and reviewed the show, I would love for you to do that. It helps other people find the show and give recommendations on iTunes. And so I would love it if you would rate and review us and share with a friend. And you can find the show notes in the description of this episode. And for more information and freebies, you can head on over to my website at andreamworley.com or you can find me on Instagram at andreamworley and let me know your guys' thoughts on today's episode. Until next week, I'll talk to you guys soon.